This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest FS Tech Podcast. My name is Jonathan Easton and I am the editor of FS Tech. Today we're going to be discussing the evolving opportunities for digital leaders in financial services. And joining me to give their thoughts on this topical subject is Hector Arias, Banking Sector Global Lead at Red Hat. Before we hear from Hector, let me set the scene with the help of a recently published briefing paper from the Harvard Business Review sponsored by Red Hat. The paper, entitled The Evolving Opportunities for Digital Leaders in Financial Services, lays out the key challenges facing digital leaders in the financial sector, which ultimately boils down to two key factors, technology and mindset. The former is quite self-explanatory. How can you excel and exploit the opportunities in the market if you don't have the right equipment? For example, in the report, 88% of the financial services executives surveyed say that having the right technology in place is important to the successful digital transformation efforts of the organisation, but only 32% say their organisation's performance in modernising IT has been effective. The latter point, however, is much more nebulous and comes down to a wider shift in approach and attitudes to truly disrupt the market. And this is something which executives are clearly struggling to get to grips with with just 34% of the study's respondents rating their organisation's performance in modernising workplace cultures as effective over the past 12 months. Ultimately, what this all boils down to is creating a business which best suits the needs of its end users. Customers who are facing a generational cost of living crisis and a looming recession. How they get there is what we're here to discuss today. With that in mind, I introduce a man who knows a thing or two about digital leadership. Hector Arias has over 20 years of experience within the banking industry with specialisations in open banking, digital transformation, business strategy and new digital businesses. He has served as Head of Global Open Banking Operations at BBVA and Director of Open Banking and Digital Transformation at BBVA USA. And now he finds himself as Banking Sector Global Lead at Enterprise Open Source Software Leader Red Hat. Thank you for joining us today, Hector. Thank you so much. And thank you, uh, Jonathan, for your very kind introduction. Thank you. Appreciate it. So before we get started, can you briefly outline what we mean when we talk about being a digital leader? I could define a digital leader as a person that understands uh, holistically the digital context, meaning that not just one dimension, but several dimensions, the business, technology, compliance. And so that's my definition for a person and for a company. It probably is much more difficult because we will need to define and agree in some KPIs to define that, but something close to approved leadership in, in that context. So to set up the landscape of where we are today, how have you as a digital leader seen the industry evolve over the 20 plus years of your career? Yeah, sure. So the ones that are old enough, uh, like myself, that uh, that the so banking and financial service in general 20 years ago, I think we also some big difference. Of course, we used to do banking in branches and today is very different, right? We only go to a physical branch when we need to go. And in between, I could have two different stages or iterations. Probably the first one is was about digital channels and was like the like obsession or interest from financial service entities to have a very good uh, digital channels and investing a lot. Some of us remember how big were the investments in having 
uh, like a very nice look and feel in a digital banking website, for instance. And that was like probably 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And then that obsession became about multi-channel, how uh, a person, an individual or a business could approach uh, the bank uh, through the different channels they, they have and digital were some of them, the mobile app or the website. And then that multi-channel uh, interest became omni-channel. How instead of, or in addition to go to whatever channel was important for the customer, then you can study in channel A and then go to channel B. So this first wave of the channels, I, 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 I see it more like a, not a transformational change in banking because it was like, something else coming to the financial services context, but without changing the bank. It's like plugging digital channels to the existing capacity in banks. And the second way was, and it still is, um, much more transformational. It's like once the fintechs arrive to the ecosystem, to the financial services context, then um, most banks understood that, uh, well, we can have digital channels, they can work perfectly, they can work synchronized with the rest of the bank, but we need to do what these guys are doing. And essentially, like uh, summarizing a little, is like uh, being able to create, to develop solutions as fast as they can do. It's like able to every quarter having a uh, a new version, a new iteration, improving the products and so, and to serve very efficiently, meaning that uh, when banks, so fintechs and big techs uh, being able to serve millions of customers with a very low marginal cost, that that's uh, the difference. So this second wave was, and it still is, more about the speed and openness, and it's more transformational. It's like changing the operating system of the bank, meaning the, the way the bank operates internally, not just plugging new digital channels to the existing bank is more or less how I you know how I describe this 20 years history in in a couple of minutes yeah it's really interesting that there's always you know in any industry there's always this great focus on disruption um but banking is obviously one of the oldest industries there is and you know it's inelastic people will always need banks um so while some people might have a slightly, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach. Why is it important that FIs do continue to evolve as technology continues to change? Well, I think most banks so very clearly is that if they don't innovate, somebody else will instead. And they saw it with essentially fintechs and techs and how they were approaching to the adjacencies of banking, to the uh, like touching the financial service without being banks. And then, uh, of course, the risk of not uh, innovate is clear when you see, okay, we as banks or financial service entities, not just banks, I say banks, but but it's banks, lenders, uh, insurance entities, payments, and so. But, but you see, okay, if we don't innovate, we will probably become like damp pipes. We will be, our services will be commoditized and we will lose the, we will lose the customer interaction. That's really dangerous in every business and specifically in banking where the customer experience part of the value chain is the, the actually the, the part with the higher margin, right? So it's something that uh, I, I was probably one, more than probably, was one the main reason 
why banks uh, uh, decide to go on and innovate and explore new ways to do things better. Yes, there's always that focus on uh, customer retention and retaining that that element of unique service that only you can offer. Um, I just want to go back to the Harvest Business Review report that I mentioned earlier in the introduction. There's one key aspect of that report um, is this focus that digital transformation is not just a technological change, but also a shift in mindset. There's a quote from the, the noted author on the subject, Chris Skinner, who said, quote, they're viewing digital transformation as a project within a function that has a designated person to lead it, rather than something that everyone in the organisation needs to passionately communicate as a cultural change. Do you agree that digital transformation really is this kind of top to bottom cultural change? And how can these, you know, we, we've talked about these these banks being hundreds of years old, how can they even approach this whilst remaining true to their core guiding principles? Yeah, I, I I fully agree with the, that statement from Chris Skinner. I think that it is not obviously not only about technology. Is uh, actually you can like go to to bed with an old technology, wake up with different technology in a bank, and and still the problem is you know still will work very similar. It's not and 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 so changes at big level in banking uh, are uh, so involve many angles, many dimensions, and technology is just one of them. And essentially, when the technology evolutions are not just about efficiency, so doing the things you already have been doing in a different way, a more efficient way, uh, because it's doing things differently. It's like it, it involves a mindset, is a core aspect, and then also like even operationally, they would they, and, and and how you engage with customers, with vendors, with how to partner with companies. That, that's very different to just technology. Uh, on the other hand, I, I, I couldn't 100% agree with the top to bottom um, change. I think that's that sounds to me quite hierarchical. I think that is the transformation across the company. It's not necessarily top to bottom. It's, it's something that is transversal. It's cross and it's not a mandate from the top to the bottom. It's, it's like... A, a shift in the in the mindset that of course takes time in especially in big organization that's that and when a company that is not in financial services is evolving of course needs to take into account like many things like technology uh, people processes that's 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 uh, obviously the case but in financial services that core principles are particularly important because what one of the things and probably the main thing that makes uh, different this industry with other industries to other industries is risk management and, and regulatory control and that, those things that are in the very deep in in the brain um, not the heart just the brain the brain of um, uh, every banker uh, uh, needs to they, they need to stay uh, even with this transformation because because of course the regulation but but we are speaking about like the people's companies money and those things and needs to protect all the, the, the as is expected so that core principles is are very important and 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 there is always a risk of becoming too technology when we need to still need a, a bank in some, some way. It's my in my opinion yeah it's a very very sensitive subject you know you you, you can look at other industries where 
there is evolution and change and it may work it might not work and and the only people who are who suffer you know are, are the shareholders really at the end of the day if a company goes bust from a, a poor implementation of a digital transformation strategy at say you know a a media company that gets into streaming and puts all their eggs in that basket. Um, but when you're dealing, as you say, with real people's money, you need to be very careful. While we think of companies that are on the cutting edge in finance, they're often these newer, more agile fintechs who can be more dynamic with their approach and goals. What do you think the these established FSIs that we've been talking about, what do you think they can learn from that approach that fintechs take to digital transformation? The way many fintechs are able to to create solutions to develop and the speed they they get when they when they are working and, and that, that focus in, in, in going fast and, and deliver something to the customer and, and improve it and, and so on, that's something that are not only things that once and financial service entities wants to want to learn, but also that most of them are trying to like replicate. Maybe replicate is not the right word here, but like is one of the things they admire. You know, it's like in a, if we think of traditional banking, most banks are changing already, but but essentially tier one, big banks and innovative banks. But but if we think and traditional banks in the waterfall methodologies like with silos in organization and how team a uh, ha, has to do the phase one of the a project team b the phase two once the phase one is done and it's over so that that's very slow and very expensive by the way and fintechs are doing that in a very different way with scrum teams and 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 with different methodologies and this is one of the key things that uh, banks want to mimic. The, the second one, the second is the, the efficiency. Probably is something, so the fintechs, but not the early stage fintechs, like the big techs that were fintechs probably a few years ago, and now you're big like elephants, but not elephants because they move, move fast. And they are able to serve millions and millions of customers uh, and in a very, very efficient way, like uh, spending less than $1 per person in terms of marginal cost. And if you if you think of the industry, depends on many things, but in a country in the West Wall, for instance, might be depend, changed, but, but like $50 per person. And that's that's very important because if you are able as a bank to reduce the, the marginal cost, the cost to serve your customers, you can expand your services in terms and, and even uh, go to unserve population and, and do banking better. So that's those two things. The first one from fintech, the second one for like later stage fintechs or big techs are two things that are very, very interesting for, for, for banks and very difficult to, to, to achieve uh, because of the size and, and some other things. Yeah, I, I entirely agree with you there. Uh, definitely lots lots of lessons that people can learn. So you earlier mentioned a potential concern about FIs 
potentially going too much in a technology-oriented direction. Recent years have seen the absolute explosion of challenger banks like in the UK, Monzo and Revolut, which completely buck the trends of the industry to the point where they don't even have any physical locations. These are perfect for a tech-savvy millennial or Zoomer, but so much of transformation is focusing on younger and younger customers. In seeking new opportunities, do do banks run the risk of alienating the elderly and more vulnerable members of society who potentially do need that physical location because there's such a focus on digitalization? Absolutely. I uh, so Not everybody must be 100% digital or not everything digital must be 100% do-yourself. Um, those things are... For for elderly and also for people with um, some discapacities, with any of them, that they they of course need financial services and they need and and they have to be served uh, for 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 banks, and that's that's a very good very good question because I, so the industry was very much obsessed with the digital transformation and like uh, as mentioned speed and efficiency and in terms of the mass segment banking not wealth management but essentially it was the 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 focus and at the same time we saw in some countries and we we are seeing some countries that uh, there are some things that banks are closing branches and reducing the number of atms and that that's become a problem and that, that 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 then banks are what banks are doing some banks are doing is partnering with different companies to do this last mile financial services to to people and to stay physical in some situation but it's something that during the last probably couple of years are becoming more visible and and partnership is one of the options but in my opinion and i believe that some banks are already doing that is like keeping some uh, branches and people to face face-to-face interactions to serve very important customers as elderly and, and and others. I suppose one thing that showed potentially what this digital future was like and what the flaws were in it was the COVID-19 pandemic when everyone was locked down and maybe for some people their banking was completely unchanged from how they did it but you had a you know a, a significant portion of people who whose lives are completely changed who you know are used to dealing with cash and dealing with checks who just couldn't do that for the best part of you know 18 months say and even even now you're seeing so many stores where they've maybe stopped taking cash in the, yep. the beginning of the pandemic and have not gone back to that and they're just digitally only so it's it's interesting to to kind of use treat that as a cautionary tale for where we don't want things to go. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Something you, we saw in the pandemic uh, that uh, issue very, very clear. And 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 also let me share. I, I think I'm based in Spain. I'm a Spaniard, national Spaniard. And we in the pandemic we saw here uh, situations like it's a hybrid situation, like the physical and digital. And and when you like. Uh, People over 65 and to get the pension, some of them, the ones not used to digital channels, had to go to the to the branch to get the money. And they some of them got like stolen by thieves and those things because they knew that they were going at first of the first days of the month to get the money. Those things need to be solved. Uh, how to 
like manage these hybrid situations to be physical, but at the same time to to serve in a secure way uh, your customers. That's that's a very good point. And I couldn't agree with you more. The last thing I want to talk about with you before we wrap up, we talked earlier about your background, your history, how you've seen the industry evolve, and you particularly were one of the pioneers in the move towards open banking, which is something which was, I, I you know, I, I don't think was imaginable 20 years ago. So how do you see financial services evolving in the next, say, five to 10 years? And what advice would you give to individuals who want to establish themselves like you as the next generation of digital leaders? Again, thank you so much, Jonathan, for speaking that kind way of, of, of me. Thank you so much. And so I, I think the future in the for the next uh, three four years are pretty. Not, I'm not going to say clear in terms of 100% sure it's going to happen, but most banks uh, and financial services entities in general believe that. So so we we transform the our entities from the physical world to the digital world, but still using our own branches so it's a digital but it still is a bank's uh, uh, website or app so we we need to open ourselves and to to be embedded into uh, non-financial entities and has like let me put an example as a as a, as a person uh, going instead of always going to the bank to get a loan or something like that or, or open a checking account and so I, I I should be able to do that in in the my natural yomis and let me uh, if I, I don't want to use like a, 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 a let's say if I go to Amazon if I go to Google whoever it doesn't so I I, I like to have my finance service embedded there so and use them that there what where I need it if, if I go to the to a, a trip agency to get the banking services there, not going to the bank and then come back to the trip agency. And same thing in for businesses, for companies. As if, if you if you have an invoice and if you, you need to finance your invoice, you shouldn't have to go to the bank with invoice and get the finance there. You can get your finance uh, uh, through the ERP directly instead of. And so embedding financial services is something so that from the customer experience that way, but that from the bank perspective is really, really transformational. It's, a, it's quite clear that the future is that way because, of course, banks understand and financial services companies in general understand that the customers are not going to be all the time in the bank's uh, branches, physical or digital, but in other places. And, and it's quite clear, but at the same time, it's very, very uh, challenging in so many aspects. You, you, I remember your first question about the digital leader and define a digital leader, and and I and I answered that it was something, a definition with holistical understanding of um, of the digital context. And this is a very good example. If we think uh, in this future where banks are embedding financial services into third parties, uh, if you think that if, if you are a banker, you you see the value chain of banking and you see that. Uh, the distribution is being done by those third parties. And that's very, very different. This is like a third iteration in the digital transformation journey in, uh, in financial services that is not only transforming 
the business and technology as is used to be in the previous iterations. It's also transforming the control framework, the way uh, financial services companies need to control the risk uh, because many interactions are being done not in the bank. That is what banks are used to control. Is happening in a third party, in uh, Amazon, the trip agency, whatever. So my suggestion uh, for other people is to see this third iteration in the digital transformation. So open banking, embedded finance, banking as a service, line operator, however you want to call it, these kind of different shapes, different uh, names. Uh, but but essentially to think of it in as value chain and having at least considering the three main functions in banking, that is technology, of course, and, and technology involves many things, not just APIs. APIs is something that uh, what every, everybody uh, 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 has uh, in mind when thinks about open banking APIs, but it's just one part. And of course, the business and having this mindset of partnering with others and not just buying or selling, but partnering that is different and, and control. So this is the triangle, I think, the technology, business and control. Control because compliance is happening now in a third party. You need to make sure that the compliance is, is right, even though a third party is the one that is like sometimes uh, doing the advertising of a banking product and so that my suggestion to see, to understand it holistically and approach uh, from different dimensions. I, I would start with these three, technology, business, and control. Well, that's certainly uh, an interesting perspective on where things are going. And hopefully we can uh, discuss this more in the future and see if your kind of crystal ball gazing comes true. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Hector. And uh, if people want to find out more about you and find out more about Red Hat, where can they go? Thank you so much, Jonathan. I uh, really appreciate and enjoy this, uh, enjoy this conversation with you. Thank you. And of course, people, I think that the ones uh, hearing this uh, podcast can reach out uh, to us with the through the account manager if they if they are a Red Hat customer already. And if not, and they of course can uh, go to our website, redhat.com slash FSI, that we have much information there and very happy to, to get in touch. Thank you. Great, thank you so much again. Uh, and it's been wonderful to speak with you. Thank you so much, likewise. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.